ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Wednesday, May 6th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Coming up on the program, Tim Stevens from the Herald-Dispatch. We're going to talk a little athletics with him. We get his thoughts on some recruiting going on for the Thundering Herd. So he's coming on the program here in about the next 10 minutes or so. Looking forward to that. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls and your tweets on social media. You can find me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. Come on, let's um, let's get that ramped up. We're going to have sports here again in some fashion sooner than later. Let us go ahead and just start getting used to that now. I am I'm pretty sure we're going to have something. Baseball's talking about coming back. There's some talk. Maybe we could see July. You've got soccer getting back in Germany to a degree. You've you've got Korean baseball. There's going to be something. We don't know what the NHL is going to look like. We don't know what the NBA is going to look like. The NFL, they're going to release their schedule tomorrow. We're going to look forward to that. There's going to be one of those primetime things. I don't know why they're doing it primetime. Just go ahead and give it to us tomorrow so I can talk about it tomorrow. we got to wait till Friday to get into it, but... I'll be looking at the Bengals' schedule for sure. We know the opponents. We just don't know the dates. And again, it's going to be different this year because you're not going to have the international games, and there's going to have to be some flexibility here just in case you can't get started back. But as we've talked about before, you can start, if you're the NFL, a little bit sooner than, say, college football because you have a unified voice. And there's been talk. There's been that narrative that's been happening that possibly – conferences are on the same page, or at least the power conferences, really you're going to have to have everybody on the same page because there is not one size fits all for this right now. Each conference is going to do what is in the best interest of of that conference, to be fair. If it benefits the SEC, it's going to happen for the SEC the way they want it to happen. The ACC will have their own way of doing things. Conference USA Uh, For the most part, they're going to have to do what they need to do. Non-conference games could be a problem. They could happen. We don't know. Everything is still fluid. But I think we're going to get this thing back in some form. I just don't know what that's going to look like. I don't think you're going to see a complete icing out of sports. NASCAR is going to get back sooner than later. So that's going to be interesting to follow that. And we're going to talk more about that next week as we get closer and closer to the engines revving up again. I will say this, though, for NASCAR, they've handled it pretty well. They've been really innovative. Again, the iRacing was really cool. I like that. They've done that a lot better than some of the other leagues. NHL, they've done some things. I mean, Alex Ovechkin and Wayne Gretzky played a game for charity on NHL 20. You saw some of the Madden stuff. You saw some of the 2K stuff. It really wasn't as compelling as the iRacing. iRacing really felt like... This was as close as you could possibly get in the current situation to having some sort of simulated sport and still have that competition because you, know, you got these guys in their basements or in their rec room and they've got their 
their eye rig, they've got their simulator going, and it was really fun to watch. It was really fascinating, to be honest with you. So that's where we're at right now. We've got some things we're going to get into today, and of course, scheduling will be part of that as well. Grant Trailer talking to a couple of people, including Associate Athletic Director Jeff O'Malley, fact that the schedule could change in Conference USA with basketball. That's something we've touched on before. What's the current situation going to be? The pod play, not happening. Bonus play, whatever you want to call that. Getting away from that. Now you just got to figure out if it's going to be an 18-game schedule for conference play. Is it going to be 16? Is it going to be 14? What's it going to look like? So some good stuff from Grant Trailer and, of course, Tim Stevens. We'll have him on here in the program here in the next few minutes, and we're going to talk to him. He's got some good stuff as well. And Tim, of course, is always a welcome guest on the program. So I'm looking forward to talking to him, and I'm looking forward to taking your calls and taking your comments as well. Best place to catch me today, though, is on Twitter, at Paul Swan. So we're looking forward to reading all your tweets on the air as we continue this exile from sports tough. Not just the exile from sports, but the exile from everything. I mean, we're starting to see things open back up on a gradual basis. Do you have that you have that quarantine hair? Do you have that quarantine hair? Because I'm going to be quite honest with you, I've got the quarantine hair. And so that's going to be my first goal. Once I feel it's good for me, I've got to find someone to go take care of the quarantine hair. I mean, look, rumor has it, there's a there's a black market for these type of things here, at least in our building. I'm not going to name names, but there's a black market for things like this, for personal hair care. I have not encountered that black market, but I've heard about it, and I've seen a couple of people with the results of this black market, this underground hair care. That might be the next thing we might have to um, support. Salons, barbershops, they're opening back up on a gradual basis here, and of course, Support those folks. Be safe. Support those folks, though. But at the same time, I've been impressed with everyone's efforts so far. Understanding that opening back up doesn't mean you go back to the way things used to be. And I've seen different ways that this has been handled, the care going into this. I was even reading a story, and this is completely off base compared to what we're talking about, but it it ties in. I was reading a story about a hockey rink in Florida, a privately owned rink, and they're opening back up. Now, they've limited what they're doing, and what it is that's really fascinating about what they decided to do, because they've seen some rinks that have just had to shut down, and they've been really cool about paying their employees. They didn't pay the last couple of weeks because, well, they had to pay the rent. And the overhead on a privately owned rink is pretty crazy from what I was reading, at least in Florida. But they're doing things like you got to come in and have pretty much almost all your gear on. You got to show up and you got to be ready to go with your gear. And you get on the ice 15 minutes before you play and then you got to you get out of there. After you're done, you got a few minutes and you're done. Dressing rooms are going to be disinfected before, during, and after with a disinfectant spray. And they're going to do some other things, and, and they're going to do everything they possibly can to keep up the hygiene, keep up the sanitary nature of this, and try to mitigate every possible way you could possibly come in contact with the virus. They're going to do everything they possibly can. They're going to have electric electronic whistles. I was reading, of course, officials are going to be masked. You're going to have to be masked. All it is to it. 
it's going to be interesting. This might be a kind of a curiosity for me, slightly a, a model. What will the NHL do? How will the NHL handle this? Yeah, NBA, we're going to see what this comes up with and what they come up with. That's going to be interesting as well because I'm sure the leagues are talking to each other, especially if you have a shared building. And I don't know what the building situation is going to be just yet because we haven't got that guidance yet. But the NFL, they can't go anywhere else. They're going to play in their home stadiums. There's no neutral location. I don't see the NFL going to, okay, we're all going to play games in one location. No. It's going to be a game schedule in Cincinnati played in Cincinnati. And they might look at the schedule and try to maybe figure out, all right, how do we make this schedule work from a geographic standpoint? Is it going to be we're going to play maybe more of the easier travel games first? How are we going to schedule this? How are we going to put this together? I'm sure there's some thought put into that. But that's on the other side of the show. Second half, we'll get into all of that. When we come back from break, Tim Stevens from the Herald-Dispatch joins us. Of course, Tim becoming a recurring regular guest, and he'll be my guest when we continue with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm Paul Swan, your host for this hourly visit into the world of sports. And joining me on the program now, I always look forward to my visits with him. He's been covering Thundering Herd for, well, Longer than any of you can count, and that's Tim Stevens, and he's with us now on the program. What did we put you at, like 30 years, 40 years? I mean, I mean, you're only 42, so how, how many years did we put you at? <laughs> trial started when I was two. You started so, when you were yeah, two? Yeah. And when I was two, so that puts it in almost 40. Yeah, that's right. So. <laughs> 40 years. Oh, I've been at it 38, almost 39 years now. 40 years, while. man. 40 years. I was like... What was I, 10 when you started? I'm 48. I'm almost, I was like 10? i got to hang with you more often, buddy. I'll tell you what, I do. I'm good for your ego, aren't I? I was, uh, yeah, you're, you're good for my ego here. I like that. I, w- I was a freshman in college when I started at the Herald Dispatch. And before that, any sport I didn't didn't play in high school, I covered for Jimmy Walker at the Iron Tribune. And he paid me a whopping five bucks a story. So. That's pretty good. That's big money back then. Hey, I'm up to seven fifty now, so we're in big bucks. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, you're seven fifty. That's even better. Hey, look, <laughs> you gotta admit though, I'm better for your ego than Grant Trailer, right? Almost definitely, most definitely. You know, yeah, Grant. You know, he's he's something else now. I gotta hang with you more often. I appreciate that. <laughs> you you can come on anytime. You can bring Grant too. Boy, he's been hustling all over the place. So I just hats off to you, him, the columnist. I mean, you guys have been hustling all over the place. You might not think you're hustling. You might think this is just day-to-day for us. What What are you talking about? But you guys have been all over the place. Well, thank you for noticing. I appreciate that. We, we, we have. We've been digging up stories that might not have, you know, either been in the paper or they certainly wouldn't have been on page one. And now they're, we find, hey, some of these are page one, page one worthy. And it, you know, it's a lot of fun to write about the all the various things that we're coming up with. It's, it's funny, uh, even without games, we still have still have plenty of stories to do. So it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun too. I mean, I'm not going to complain about 
you know, about uh, being a sports writer. That our job is is pretty cool. You got another story uh, to talk about today, uh, and we can't bring Megan Smith on to talk about her just yet. So, Tim, you're the best thing next to the coach herself to talk about a new player <laughs> joining the softball team. Now, I was going to hazard this pronunciation before I talk to you, and I'm still going to hazard it a little bit, but I'm going with Cameron, and then you help me with the last name. I was saying Michaelis, but you're saying Mahalis. 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 Okay, Mahalis. Cameron Mahalis. That's right. Played at Huntington High. Um, Really good, really good player. This is a nice get for Marshall. It definitely is. She, uh, she signed with Akron out of, out of Huntington High, played a season there, transferred to Gulf Coast State College at JUCO in uh, Panama City, Florida, was having a really good season this spring before everything was shut down. Uh, she, she decided, you know, out of JUCO, she was recruited by, by several schools and decided she wanted to come back home where, where friends and family could see her play at Marshall. So it's a, uh, that's a really good get for Marshall. They recruited her out of high school too, and she went to she wanted to get away then. But now she decides she'd like to she'd like to get back to, to her roots here in Huntington. Did it help that Marshall softball is as good as Marshall softball is? I mean, you're not coming to a program that needs necessarily help. It's not a rebuild. It's not a program that's sort of middling. This is a competitive program on a yearly basis. So did it help her knowing that? Okay, I can come back home and I can still play competitive softball. No, definitely so. You're not coming back to a program that's you know that's going to go twelve and forty in a season or something like that. Come back and you're playing for a team that's uh, you know, a regional caliber softball team, a conference champion caliber team, uh, one of the better power hitting teams in the country. In fact, uh, really a, a great coach that they have there at Marshall, and and Cameron fits in well with this team and its style, too. Now, where where Sean, Sean DeStanton was a great coach, had huge success. Her teams are more speed-based, usually. This team that Marshall has has now is more of a, a, a plowtering-out, power-hitting kind of team. And Cameron fits in with that. She has really good pop. And, you know, she, she's probably not going to hit 20 home runs, but she, can, you know, she has good pop and a good bat as well. So she'll hit for power and average. She'll fit in really well on this team. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, and then defensively, she is is quite quite good at third base and at shortstop, and she can play second. She can even pitch a little bit. So if you need somebody to to eat some innings at some point, you know she can go on the mound and not hurt you. But she's more of a position player and a and a good big bat. So well, I think she could she could definitely help this team. Yeah, that's a good point. You look at what Marshall softball is now, and it's just knock that ball far as you can. And, yes, there's still speed and there's still everything else that goes into it, but it's a lot of fun when you're just watching the ball go over the fence sometimes. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? <laughs> it is. There's nothing wrong with speed, and you've got to have you know, your slap hitters and, and folks who can run uh, you know, ahead of those big heavy hitters too, but but boy, it's just a boatload of fun to see these these girls knock it over, these women knock it over the fence. Uh, they, I mean, they have players hitting it off the ACF building. That's a shot, you know. That's a that's a long way to hit a softball. And you know, Cam will fit in, fit right in with those folks. She can hit it out of the park. She uh, 
she had 12 home runs and three seasons at Huntington High, and you know how high school schedules them around here. They're abbreviated because of the spring rains and all that kind of stuff. So, so she hit 12 there. She had one so far this year down at Buff Coast, and and, and she was batting 329. So that, you know, it's a, a good solid batting average uh, for a college player. She will. She can definitely help them offensively and defensively. She's got a history with Marshall, though. She's not just coming into this, hey, this is the school that was in my hometown. I think I should go there. There's a lot of ways that she's tied into Marshall Athletics already. All right. Her sister played there, played softball there around the old 2009, 2010, that range. And her dad played soccer. Her dad is Rod Mahalas, who played soccer at Marshall back in the 80s. So, yeah, she has a, a definite history with with Marshall, and you know, she's always loved the herd. Uh, you know, she signed with Akron originally just to kind of get away, like kids often do. But she's always been a Marshall fan, and and she'll uh, she'll look good in green and white. And she, you know, her family gets to come see her play, and her family history with Marshall just makes it that much better. When talking to her, is there anything you learned that maybe didn't make your story in the Herald Dispatch, which I encourage everyone to go read? By the way, I don't want to just steal Tim's story and. And repeat it <laughs> verbatim here, but was there anything when you were talking to her that maybe you wish you could have got into the story? Oh, there's always, you know, quirky little things about, you always ask, you know, players, you know, is there anything unusual about you? And nine times out of ten, you don't get anything, but every now and then, then you do. Uh, uh, you know, with Cameron, it was just, it was, it was kind of her, uh, you know, we, we can talk deeper about her love for Marshall and that kind of thing. You know, she lives three minutes from the, from the campus, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, this just you didn't didn't realize just what, how big a Marshall fan she was until actually talking to her, especially since she'd signed somewhere else out of high school. But but she, uh, like like most people in Huntington, has a a real love for the herd and a chance to. You know, they always people from around here who sign with Marshall always say, you know, you get a chance to play for the '75. Uh, you know, referring to the people who died in the plane crash. And even if it's not football, when you sign with Marshall, you're playing for the '75. That that's kind of the attitude, and Cam has that attitude as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's heartwarming to see. She's a, you know, she's a good kid, and and I think the I think the fans will like her. She was pretty surprised when Coach Megan Smith even reached out to her and made her an offer because she was under the impression that they weren't looking at her, and that really maybe probably made her day to find out that Marshall was interested. Oh, it really did. Yeah, it definitely did. And you know, she was. Looking at some other places, and Towson State was really heavy on her, and and then some other schools. And, and when Marshall comes calling, your hometown school that's as successful as Marshall with Brennan softball comes calling, that gets your attention. That makes you feel good. And I know that made Cameron feel good uh, to, to be wanted by a, a program of that caliber. That that was big for her. that's a, that's a big ego boost right there. And and you know she had some big offers coming out of high school, uh, Virginia Tech and. Uh, Michigan, uh, several other schools were, were a lot of Mac schools are really interested in her. So, you know, the recruiting game's nothing new to her, but that Marshall reached out as much as they did this time and, and was genuine, genuinely interested, really, uh, you know, that really touched her. She was very pleased about that. Tim Stevens is with us from the Herald-Dispatch and his story about a, a local softball prodigy making the trip back home to Huntington and, of course, you can read more about that in the Herald-Dispatch, but I don't want to take away totally from your story there, but do you see 
softball continuing to really be a feeder for Marshall locally. Softball seems to be one of the the better sports in the Mountain State. I mean, we talk about maybe there's a lack of D1 athletes when it comes to football in the state, but really when you look at softball and the other sports, you're not too far from having a bumper crop almost of D1 athletes. No, you you really are. You know, you can field, uh, you know, maybe not your entire roster, but a, a good portion of it just with the with the four big schools, the four triple A schools near nearest Marshall, Huntington High, Cabell Midland, Spring Valley, and Hurricane, all have terrific softball programs and produce just a whole bunch of players. Uh, and all of those, you know, Marshall has players from all of those schools, and uh, you, you spread that out a little bit to other parts of the state where you can get some players and, and you're in business. Uh, and and it's not bad in over in southeastern Ohio and, and northeast Kentucky either. You can get some uh, some real real softball talent here locally. It's, uh, that sport has grown <laughs> tremendously so in the last 20 years, I would say. Yeah, and that, that bodes well for, for Marshall's recruiting. Tim Stevens with us from the Herald-Dispatch. Okay, so where's the next pearl coming from? What's the story you got squirreled away? Come on, just break some news for me, Tim. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's see. We've got another top 50 coming up uh, in the morning, and, and well, I'm not supposed to give it away. There was a uh, a certain, I, I could say screwball kicker, but that covers all of them. So, <laughs> you know, but this one focuses on a certain kicker breaking a certain losing streak for Marshall in the 1980s. How, how does that sound? Yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. I'll go with that. That's pretty yeah. cool right there. How fun has yeah. that been? I was going to ask you, how fun has that been to write those? You, Grant, and I'm sure the columnist has had his input as well. Oh, gosh. It's so enjoyable. It, it, and that's the thing. You know, we, we try to run the game story, the original game stories, and those are fun to go back and read. Or, or if it's a, a recap of a game story, those are fun. But the column and the sidebar is what's really fun, to give some inside perspective that maybe you couldn't give at the time, you know? Um like in tomorrow's, we'll we'll touch on this kicker's relationship with his coach because they were both kind of for the so they were both kind of uh, <laughs> you know volatile personalities, big personalities. And I get into that a little bit in the in tomorrow's column, but that's just been been so much fun to go back and tell some of the Randy Moss things from practice that wouldn't have made a daily story maybe back then. And you know some of the things that will be coming up with, with Chad Pennington and Byron and. And Danny Derricott's another one that's coming up soon, and just just a lot of a lot of those stories that that your average fan or that most fans didn't really know about. And it's it's fun and it's exciting to get to tell those stories now. What's the roundtable like? I'm sure you just didn't wake up one day and say, "Here are the 50 best moments." What was the discussion like, and trying to plot this out and put it together? Were there a lot of, "Yeah, you're right." Is there some more meat to that, maybe you and Landon fighting over a certain placement of a, of a, of a, I mean, you guys tell me, I mean, I would have liked to have been in the room when you guys were hashing that out. It was kind of fun and it was, it was more grand tonight than anybody, but we involved Chuck and you know, Hey, what do you think of this? We involved Dave Walsh because Dave covered Marshall in the, in the eighties, you know, before I did and that kind of stuff. We got him in the mix and we even talked to Rick Nolte who, you know, the former, uh, he was former Marshall beat writer and former sports editor of the Herald Dispatch. He's in Georgia now. And, you know, we talked to you know, Rick McKay and, hey, what do you, 
what do you think about it? Should we do this one or this one? That kind of stuff, you know, and, and kind of threw it, put it together that way. And it, it came down eventually to, okay, Grant, you pick 25 and then I'll pick 25 and we'll, we'll merge them together and we'll cut some of this and we'll add some of that. And, uh, you know, number one was easy. Uh, it, it won't be real hard to, I won't give it away, but it won't be real hard to guess what the most significant win in Marshall history was. But from two through forty-nine, two through fifty was was fun jockeying around putting those together. And and that's, you know, kind of the surprising thing is not all of the uh, the moments were wins. Not all of the top fifty moments were victories. You know, but uh, that's like well, well, like tomorrow's is a tie, <laughs> but it was a significant moment in in history and you know with me having been there grant wasn't at that game so i know a little bit more about that but he may have been you know he was a beat writer after i was and he saw some games that that i might not have seen so it, was, it came together really well uh we uh, there wasn't really any any really big disputes or anything or any wide margins where i thought something was 35 and he thought it was 17 or something we were we were pretty like-minded for the most part on it okay you're talking about the, the number one game is a slam dunk. I don't know if two and mm-hmm. three are okay. Two and three might be slam dunks, or there might be some battling for jockeying a position here. Just in my mind, that's why I'm I'm now peaked more finding out what it is because I'm thinking there's a game in '87 that should be in the top five. Mm-hmm. There's a game right. in '92 right. that should be in the top five. Yeah, that's right. There's a, that's right. There's a game in 71 that is in the top five. It most definitely is in the uh, top, emphasizing the word top five. Yeah. Yes. And there's another game in, in 71 that uh, I'm sure Walsh slipped in there because he won it. That's the first one he was talking about, other than the obvious top one. Yeah. <laughs> that, yes, that made it, too. That, it, so that came in at number five, it, right? It, you know. it was just, Yeah, it was, it's in the mix. It's in the mix there, at least top ten. But it was, uh, yeah, those were, were, you know, it gets tough when you, you know, one is kind of obvious, but, you know, two through ten is, man, there's some real heavyweight games that the, this, uh, you know, this program has played through the years. So it was, uh, you know, it's like rating, rating prospects. You know, uh, when Baseball America puts out six, top 500 baseball prospects, well, you know, number baseball prospect number 26 and baseball prospect number 30 are really pretty much the same, almost interchangeable. And that's how it is with with the top 10 with our stories here on Marshall football. You know, 2 through 10, yeah, you, you've got a, you know, 10's got a real good argument for being higher and, and you might have an argument for 2 being a bit lower or, you know, those kinds of things. And it's, it's subjective, but but that gets people talking and it's, it's, it's fun to debate and and, and discussed, uh, you know, it's, it's just a lot of a lot of good good opportunities to look back and have some good memories and and spark some discussion. And that was kind of our goal with this: is give people something to, to read, to enjoy, and and to talk about. Tim Stevens joining us from the Herald Dispatch show. We've been talking about a lot of things, including Herald Dispatch's look back at the well significant games in Marshall history. Has there been any pushback? You know how readers are. They all have opinions. Listeners have opinions as well. Have you got that pushback disagreeing with what you guys have laid out so far? And if so, I'm sure you guys have enjoyed that. I know the columnist thrives on that, especially when people disagree with him. Chuck? No, come on. No, 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 the columnist. 
No, it's not Chuck. No. It's it's either Mr. Landon or the columnist. <laughs> uh, no, Chuck is enough pushback for all of us. But no, we haven't had a lot of that so far. But again, we're only about 15 games in. Okay. You know, where, okay, 35 could be, easily be 40, and you know, 41 could easily be 36, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not one that's, those those games aren't going to start a big argument. Yet. Once we get closer to the top 10, I think you'll, you know, we'll get some of that. Oh, that should have been a whole lot higher. Or, oh, why did you put that game in there? I, I wonder about tomorrow morning's the tie. If we might hear something, why would you put a tie in the in the paper, especially from people who who are in the younger set who don't remember this particular game? You know that might uh, might be a head scratcher for them. But it, when you really look at this game that's in the paper tomorrow, it was very significant in the history of the program. And and the column that I wrote with it, not because I wrote it, but just that it it, it really kind of gets into that and explaining why it was was the the important game that it was and show some of the, uh, the fun aspects of it. You know, once you read that, I think, uh, I think people will, will spark a little bit of debate about whether that game was worthy of being where it is or not. But once we get closer to the top 10, I'm sure we'll, we'll get uh, a little bit more dissent. Okay. And again, we're illustrating this. This isn't a top 10 of just victories. This is, defeats as well and so 66 to 6 could show up could be there it could be anywhere 66 to 6 will get mentioned okay in at least in uh in a, in a story that sets up another story let's just just say but yes 66 to 6 is a very significant uh beating that led to a whole heck of a lot of payback in some of these other stories that will chronicle so okay fair <laughs> enough you can you can definitely bet that's going to be mentioned in more than one story down the stretch. You know, every time I mention that game, Walsh twitches just a little bit more. <laughs> oh, he hates Miami to this day for that game, as do many, many, many Marshall fans. You know, and, and Miami earned it. They, you leave your starters in uh, against a team that's you know, just lost its its entire team practically in a, in a plane crash, and you run it up 66-6 to six on them. The only score Marshall had was, was on a uh, special team, a block punt. So, uh, you know, uh, that's, that still doesn't sit well to this day. You, you can ask Dave Walsh, you can ask Woody Woodrum, uh, you know, a lot of these guys who were who were around then, and that, that game still sticks in their crawl. But coming back and beating Miami and knocking them out of the Peach Bowl – uh, that game might get mentioned somewhere along the way. Uh, that was that was sweet revenge. And then, then uh, Marshall beating Miami 32 to nothing down there with you know, under Coach Pruitt. Yeah, you know that was many years after 66 to six. But every player on that Marshall team was playing for that 66 to six team for that 71 team that got got just ripped unmercifully by Miami. So you know that game that game to this day. Uh, you motivates Marshall. As it should. As it should. And it motivates me yeah. to the point where it's just another reason why I don't like uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. That's another reason. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's exactly another. A whole lot of folks who are in that boat, I can, I can relate to that as well. Yeah. You know, uh, when you went to you went to Marshall, and yeah, you and I are media, we're, we're impartial. But we also, you know, you hate to see them 
an injustice on anybody, you know. So, so, gosh, what Miami did to Marshall then was just classless, just unspeakable uh, that that a team would would do that. You know, if you win sixty six to six and your third stringers are in, okay, you know, that's that's football. Uh, when you leave your starters in and you pound a young team like that unmercifully after they had just gone through that plane crash, there's there's no justification for that. So every payback that Marshall had ever delivered to Miami was was quite justified. Tim Stevens, my guest from the Herald-Dispatch, uh, good catching up with you again. Uh, we need to do this more often. Maybe you can just come in once a couple of weeks, just whatever you want to talk about. I mean, you can bring Grant, bring Chuck, bring bring the whole crew. We'll do it by we'll do it by phone, but bring them. Go ahead, it'd be fun. Hey, I'd love it. I, I always thoroughly enjoy it, and be happy to be happy to be on talking with you. It's always a pleasure. You know, you and I've been been buddies for a long time, and it's uh, it's an honor to be on the air. No, I appreciate it, sir. The honor is mine. I thank you for coming in. We'll do it again soon. Sounds good, buddy. Thank you a lot. Tim Stevens joining us from the Herald-Dispatch. Good catching up with him. We'll have more on the way. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the May 6th edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And one of the things we're doing here at Kindred Communications, and really it's been pretty spectacular so far because of this epidemic that we're all going through right now. We talk about it every day, the loss of sports. This isn't necessarily a sports thing we're doing, though, but we talk about it on a daily basis. There are a lot of kids, a lot of seniors, they lost a lot. Now you might think in this grand scheme of things, okay, they lost a few, they yeah, a few months of their life, and you know they're going to go through some adversity as student athletes, and and that's that's what it's all about. And I get all of that, but at the same time, you still have to acknowledge it pretty much sucks. Kids lost their their whole senior experience, and so we think we're going to do something that's going to be really special for them. Just a little bit to maybe help them, and that's our, our shout-outs that we're doing. So if you are a parent or guardian of a high school senior anywhere, and I mean anywhere in our listening area, you can submit an audio recording with you and your family sending a senior a shout-out, a special message. So your senior, don't go randomly sending somebody, you know, here, here's the deal. Your senior, make it. Make it personal, but it's your senior. So all you have to do is go to our website, wrvc.com. That's where you get all the details, and then you can upload your own shout-out. So I encourage you to do that. It's uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, I've already got uh, sort of a preview of some of them. It's pretty cool. We want to add your voice to what we have already. So go to our website, wrvc.com. That's where you can find out more information about our senior shout-outs. And I'll tell you what. These kids, years from now, they're going to look back on this and they're going to have, hopefully, some good memories. Not just the bad memories of maybe not getting to graduate with your class or having your senior night or finishing out your season. 
you know, you can look at those memories and understand, yeah, that's part of it. But hopefully these kids are going to have some good memories knowing that it's more than just those things. They've Maybe they've gained something here with everything that's been going on. And really, you got to understand, it's, it's pretty tough. And this is something that we've never gone through before in our generation. For the most part, we've never had a pandemic like this, and we've never gone through it like this. And these kids, keep them in mind. Go to WRVC.com for our senior class shout-out. Okay, uh, we went a little long with Tim, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to come back and wrap it up here when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. It's good catching up with Tim Stevens from the Herald-Dispatch. Hopefully we can do that again here in a couple of weeks. Go check his story out. Also, uh, Grant Trailer, we're going to talk a little bit about his story today in the program. But not much time, but it's something that we've been all talking about here for several weeks. Bonus play, not going to be a thing in Conference USA. And we'll find out soon. Nothing's final, but you could see the basketball schedule. You could see it maybe an eight game, an 18-game slate for conference play. You could see 14 games. Maybe you could see 16. 18 might be the sweet spot when it comes to playing. And really, travel is going to be the consideration as far as trying to figure out how to make this all work. Travel really eats into the budget of Conference USA schools. What do you think schools at maybe a Division II level can have more athletic programs? Because they're kind of focused more on geography. Now, it's going to be a little difficult to do that at the Division I level, especially in a Conference USA, a Sun Belt. You've got to really, I mean, the Mid-American Conference, they probably, of the group of five schools, probably for the most part have the better footprint when it comes to funding their athletics with the travel. I mean, it's a bus league for a lot of it. And, and sure, you like to have a little bit more depth and width to your conference, and I get that. But at the same time, the travel is going to be an issue, and I think the bonus play, while I acknowledge Conference USA was thinking out of the box, didn't work out, wasn't a fan of it after the first year, and I understand you want to give it the old college try and go at it again, and wasn't a fan of it the second time, getting away from it, the pod play, just play your schedule. Line it up, 14 teams, 16 teams, 18 teams, games, I'm sorry, 18 games, line it up, go that route. I think you'll see a lot more when it comes to, I think, just equity. But you got to figure out the travel. You don't have a magic wand to just wave over the travel issue. And I mean, Maybe you cluster those games a, a little bit further apart, or maybe you you try to avoid those long trips. You just look at the schedule from that standpoint. Okay, the schools that are furthest apart, maybe you kind of rotate those. You rate you rate them in. You rotate them in. Easy for me to say. You rotate those schools in and try to come up with some scheduling formula that is fair and really helps the budget. It's all going to be figured out. We get the spring meetings coming up in the league later on this year. We will have the kickoff. It'll be virtual. Everything is going to fall into place, and hopefully we'll have a little bit more direction and understanding of what Conference USA is going to do here in the meantime. 
So back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again. Hopefully we can um, be just another part of your day for an hour. I appreciate everyone tuning in. I want to thank Tim Stevens for joining me, for talking a little bit more about what was going on, not just with his story about Marshall softball, but Marshall football as well. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Until tomorrow, have a great night, everyone.